Welcome to Life Simply Better, the podcast for busy working moms who crave a simpler, more relaxed life, but aren't quite sure how to get there. I'm your host and coach, Zoe Galitzis, and I will be showing you step-by-step how to create that less busy life you crave. Hey guys, welcome to episode 14, Replace Yourself at Work. I hope you're doing well, and I know this time of year can be busy for some of us, but I'm so glad you're taking a minute to listen to the podcast, and I hope you find this episode helpful. So today we're going to talk about a technique I call replacing yourself at work. This might sound like a little bit of a cheat, but it really is one of the best tips I have for taking control of your high-stress job and that is to work yourself out of it. Now, I'm not talking about quitting or changing roles. I'm talking about replacing yourself with a leadership team while you continue on in the role you already have. And today we're gonna talk about how to take all of the parts of your job that are drudgery or that you just don't have time for and turn them into opportunities for someone else to grow. Even if you're already an expert in delegating, make sure to tune in to this episode. This takes delegation to a whole new level. So first of all, before we even talk about how to work yourself out of a job, let's talk about being comfortable enough with your self-worth to do that. Do you have self-worth even when you're not doing anything? Or is your self-worth tied to the work you produce and the value that you create? I think that, um, you know, one of the things that really holds us back from going beyond a certain point with delegation is just feeling uncomfortable and feeling like we won't be doing enough or that we won't be valuable if we stop doing some of this work. And so a couple of things with that. One is that I want you to be able to feel abundant that there will be other work for you to do. You don't know exactly what you're going to be doing right now because you probably haven't had a split second to stare out the window and think of some of the other things that you'd like to do. But I want you to feel confident that if you give away the work and the roles that you're currently doing to someone else or a team of people that there will still be plenty of ways for you to contribute. Now, I also want you to get comfortable with the value of doing nothing. So some of you are listening to this thinking, oh, I have no problem. I know of a million things that I could be doing and would rather be doing than what I'm doing right now. Um, And so you have that box kind of checked in terms of feeling very abundant that there will be plenty of work to do if you give some of your other work away. So if that's you, I also want you to ask yourself, how do you feel about just not doing anything? Would that make you feel uncomfortable? Sometimes when I work with clients, I advise them to spend five minutes a day for, you know, a week or something just sitting and doing nothing, not meditating, not planning their day, not doing a relaxation technique, just literally sitting in a chair and not doing anything, not contributing any value to the world for five minutes. Even for five minutes, and I've done this myself, so I can attest to this, it's super uncomfortable for those of us who are high achievers and are used to getting a lot done. But I think that having time 
where you're doing nothing is actually really valuable. And you can think about the example of sleeping. Now, this is different from sleeping, but I want to use sleeping as an example. So no one would suggest that you should work 24 hours a day, right? Because we all recognize the value of getting a good night's sleep. There's so many things that happen when we're sleeping. There's studies that show how people do better on tests after they've had enough sleep because our brain is actually consolidating memories. All the studies, all the studying that we did in preparation for that test, our brain is actually working while we're asleep to consolidate all that information and have it more accessible for us when we take our exam. There's all sorts of benefits to sleeping, even though you could say, oh, well, you're not really getting anything done while you're sleeping. But we're all used to thinking of sleep as a valuable part of our lives. I think that having times where you're awake and doing nothing, staring out the window, going for a walk, just having some blank space in your life is equally valuable. I just think most of us don't do that, especially in our busy, hectic society that we're used to, where we're just used to doing and going all the time. But I think that when you replace yourself at work, as we're talking about on this episode, and you let go of some of those tasks, the best way you can contribute, the best way you can lead is not to just fill up all of that time with additional tasks, but to actually fill up some of that time just with blank space. So just something to think about, something to maybe try out. All right. So once you've kind of thought through those issues of self-worth and knowing that you would have other work to do and being comfortable with the idea of maybe even doing nothing for some of that time, it's time to create your leadership team. And this is different from simple delegation, what we normally think of delegating, which is where you're taking a task and you're saying, okay, um, Joe, why don't you do this task for me? This is actually, um, instead of going task by task, this is taking your entire role and delegating your role to people. So each time a task comes up, you don't have to think, should I give that to Joe or should I give that to Susie? Where will this task go? You've already created this framework for all of your delegation to occur. So it's much more efficient and it's just you automatically know when something comes up who is going to do it. And so the way I have approached this in some of the leadership roles that I have had is just by taking even my objectives, my performance objectives for the year and divvying up all of those objectives across my team. So, for example, one person gets the operations-related objectives, another person gets the sales-related objectives, etc. And you can really divide up your entire role. You're looking at objectives or accountabilities, or even you could pull up your job description and just divide it up and assign chunks of it to your leadership team. And then when a task comes up, you can say, okay, this is operations related. So of course that goes to Susie because she's my operations person. And this is a really standard way that companies are structured, right? When you think about the C-suite and you think about org charts and how companies are structured, 
but even for um, even if you're not the CEO of your organization, which I certainly am not, I'm guessing most of you listening to this are not, you can still take the same approach. Create your own little mini org chart, even if it never gets onto paper, even if you don't give people official titles, you can still create that leadership team. Now, I know some of you right now are thinking some objections to this. You might be thinking, well, that's great in theory, but my team is really busy. There's no way they have time for me to pile more work on top of them. Or you might be thinking, well, that sounds great in theory. I'm glad that worked out so well for you, but I don't have the right person. I don't have the right people here um, to make that work for me. And These are really common objections to run into when you start this um, procedure. And I would say, yeah, I'm not surprised that you're having some of those objections because if you had no objections, you probably already would have done this, right? (laughs) Like everything would just be going along swimmingly and you would be all set. And so what happens with these objections? They are valid, right? You have a lot of good reasons, and I'm sure you have a lot of evidence, good evidence that you could give me of why, you know, your team doesn't have enough time or you don't have the right people to create this kind of structure. But here's what I want you to be aware of. When you have thoughts like, there's no one to do this, there's no, this, this won't work out for me, just realize it that those thoughts are not just your opinions about the situation, but they're also instructions to your brain to look for more evidence to prove your belief true. So when you think we, we don't have the right people for this, you for sure are not going to find the right people with a thought like that. Now, maybe if you change your thought, maybe you still won't find the right people right away, but you have a swinging chance, right? So here's an idea that I use all the time that is called believing before knowing how. This is something else that I picked up from Brooke Castillo. And it's the idea that when we want something, let's say you want to create this leadership team for yourself so that you can replace yourself at work, you don't know how right away to do that. If you knew how to do with that, you would have already done it, right? So you don't have the solution yet. And where our brains automatically go is to look for the solution. And then we just run into these roadblocks. How am I going to do that? That won't work and that won't work and that won't work. So what I want to suggest is instead of immediately looking into solutions, immediately jumping into trying to find a solution, is that you first work on getting a little bit more curiosity and a little bit more belief that maybe it's possible that you could do this even if you don't know the answer yet. Another thing that Jody Moore, another coach that I've worked with says is everything is figure outable. You know, could you adopt the belief that there's a solution here I just haven't figured out yet? Or it's possible that I could create a leadership team. I'm working on learning how to do that. Those kind of thoughts, those kinds of attitudes when you're approaching this, send a totally different set of instructions to your brain. They're sending instructions of curiosity and 
observing and trying different things versus just shutting down right away and saying this won't work. So just notice that in yourself. If you're listening to this episode right now and thinking it's unrealistic for yourself, I would suggest maybe it is realistic. Maybe this is totally something you can do. And I would even offer as well, if you have a specific situation that you just want to talk through and um, (laughs) you kind of want me to prove it to you, that this is something you can do that would work in your situation, feel free to email me at zoe, Z-O-E, at lifesimplybetter.com. And I would be more than happy to talk through your situation because I've really found that when I'm coaching, all of this stuff is coachable. Even those situations that feel really kind of dismal and like there aren't options, there are always options. So I would love to talk this through with you if this feels like a struggle for you right now. All right. So the last thing I want to talk about is how this relates to role change and to changing your career or changing your role at work, Um, stepping into a new role, for example. Now, I said at the beginning that even though I'm talking about replacing yourself at work, I'm not talking about quitting or changing roles. And really what I love about this approach is that you do stay in the role that you're in you just divvy up your responsibilities and that allows you to basically contribute in your role at a much higher level because you've created this opportunity for others to um, take on the responsibilities for that you have. And so they're stretching into that. They're growing. They have that opportunity. And you have the opportunity to kind of contribute that top level work that you'd really like to do to make your mark in that role. And you're also doing it without being overscheduled and overworked. And so that's the beauty of this approach. Now that doesn't mean that you won't ever change roles or change careers or change jobs or whatever. And, um, and you might even be listening to this and thinking that you're actually in a role that you'd really like to transition out of and you're wondering how to do that. I think this approach is still perfect for that. I think um, this is still a perfect way for you to start to get in the headspace and practice at the being the person that would be showing up in that new role that you want in the current role you're in. So instead of just focusing on how to get that new position and what you should be doing to get that um, and kind of feeling resentful about the current job you're in, I really encourage you to focus on becoming the next version of yourself first before you even have the formal role change. So think about, you know, that other role that I want. What would she be thinking about? What would I be thinking about when I was in that role? How would I be feeling? How would I be showing up as a leader? All of those things, those thoughts, those feelings, those behaviors with the rest of your team are things that you can do now regardless of your current position. It all starts with your thoughts. You know, what will you believe about yourself in that new once you're in that new role? If you can figure out how to believe that about yourself now, that will be like power drive setting you into finding new opportunities and accelerating your progress into the next role that you want to take take on because it really does start with the way you think about yourself first that projects outward and that is um you know i've heard the phrase luck is where preparation meets opportunity right so if you can prepare yourself 
by getting into that headspace of who you will be when you're already in that role, all of that other external stuff will just kind of fall into place. So that's my last tip with this is I still encourage you to do this work of replacing yourself in the role you're in and also to really think about who do I want to be next in addition to focusing on the concrete steps of applying for a new job or pursuing a role change. Really focus on getting yourself there, becoming that person ahead of time, ahead of actually taking that on. And the other nice thing about that is that you tend to enjoy whatever remaining time you have in your current role a lot more than if you were just constantly going to work feeling annoyed that you were still in this boring old role that you've been doing for however many years and you wished you could just be in the new role. That would be much more exciting. That's not a very fun way to experience that transition period or pre-change period. If you can get into that new headspace, you're just going to enjoy the entire process, the entire journey so much more. So to recap today, we talked about how to replace yourself at work. We talked about being comfortable enough with your own sense of self-worth to let go of a lot of those tasks. We talked about creating a leadership team and really taking delegation to a new level by not just delegating tasks, but actually delegating portions of your role to people. I talked about if you have objections, if it feels like this won't work for you, the idea that you could start to get curious about it, start to work on that belief that maybe it could be possible. And that's going to be like instructions to your brain to look for how it could be possible and to turn you into kind of a creative problem solving mode. And then finally, we talked about becoming the next version of yourself before having the formal role change and how that can make the entire experience of changing roles much more rewarding and and better prepare you for when you do take on the next step in your career. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening today. I hope you have enjoyed the episode. I hope you're having a good week this week. And I will be back next Tuesday with more podcasts. 